So in thinking of Father's Day, the last thing I wanted to do in speaking to you this morning is to bash fathers. Often, you know, in churches, it's a um, lovey-dovey Mother's Day and then bash the dad on Father's Day. Well, I just don't feel I want to do that this morning, number one, because I'm a dad. Um, but more than that, but I, I feel that um, there's something that God wants me to drop into your hearts this morning. So uh, you may be visiting here, here for the first time, we're thrilled that you're here. But let me ask everyone here this morning, how many are prepared that if God has got a word for you, that he will drop it into your heart. As I'm speaking, you will hear the voice of God coming over and above my voice, and you want to hear from God this morning. Does anyone out there say, I'm ready to hear from the Lord? And, um, and, and the fact is, I, I, I want to take you to a scripture in the Old Testament. Uh, it's found in the book that's known as Deuteronomy, long word, Deuteronomy. And uh, it's in chapter 6, and I'm going to read from verse 4 down to verse 9. This is what it says. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. What does it look like to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our strength. And, and what does it look like to love God like that when you're married? What does it look like to love God in that way when you have children or grandchildren? It is very significant that Moses says, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, and then he goes on to describe how that will impact your family. When you love the Lord your God with all your heart, the impact will be seen firstly in your family. Far from destroying your family, I want you to see this morning from the Scripture that if you choose to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, uh, with all your soul, and with all your strength, your family are going to be blessed. The best way to serve your family and the best way to love your family is to live your life loving God. It is putting God first in your life. That is the best way to serve and to love your family. I would go as far as to say any other choice would be destructive to the people that you love most. Any other choice than putting God first, any other choice than living for God will be devastating for your family and destructive to your family. Here's the principle that I want to get across to you this morning. Love the Lord first and your family will be blessed. Love the family first 
and the family will suffer. Now, that seems really strong words, and, and I trust by the end you'll understand fully what I'm saying, because I want to show you this morning how that works out in practice. I want you to see, firstly, the great irony of putting family first. When Moses said these words in Scripture, the ones that we've just read from Deuteronomy, he was speaking to a new generation of God's people on the verge of entering what was known as the promised land. He was talking to a people that had come right to the edge. They had to cross over a river, and now they would be into the land of promise, the land that's flowing with milk and honey, the land that is before them that God had promised to give them. Forty years earlier, God had brought these people's parents to the same spot. And it was that now they had the opportunity to cross over into the promised land. You remember the story. They got to the edge and they looked over at the promised land. And it was that now they said, well, well, just hold on here. You're saying God is saying go in and possess the land. We think we ought to send spies in to spy out the land to see exactly what that land is like. Uh, it, it, it is that um, the spies went into the land and they came back and the spies gave a bad report. They said, well, it is a good land. It is flowing with milk and honey, but, but there are giants there. And not only that, their cities in that land are fortified cities, massive city with huge walls. And when these parents heard the report, the Bible says they turned back into the desert. And there they wandered in the desert for another 40 years. So these people, they got to the edge of the land, the new land was before them, and God saying, go forward, I'm going with you. But they sent spies in. It was that they came back with a bad report. They said, we're not going into the land. They turned around and they walked back into a desert and they walked in that desert for 40 years. Why did they make that decision, I asked? Why, why did they refuse to go at the command of God into Canaan, into the land of promise? And I'm sure there were many factors, but... Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verse 39 gives us a fascinating insight into what they were thinking. In that verse, Moses gives a prophetic word to these people as they refused to go into the promised land. He gave them a prophetic word. And this is what he said. He said, the little ones that you said would be taken captive, your children, they will enter the land. So he was saying to them, you are refusing to go into the land, but your children will enter the land. You see, what was happening, the spies had come back and said there were giants in the land. They talked about the fortified cities. And these people, these parents, they were saying, it's far too great a risk to obey God. It's far too great a risk to take our children across the river and to go and possess the land. We have to think what's best for our children. If we go into the land, our children could be taken captive. 
And when they said that, I said, well, I understand that. I, I understand maybe a little of what they were thinking, don't you? I can understand they were thinking of their kids. The risk is too great. We can't do what God says because we have little children. They put their children first. And what was the result? The children that they tried to protect spent the largest amount of their lives wandering in a desert. The children that they thought that they were putting first were now plunged into, as a result of their decision not to obey God, they were now plunged into 40 years of a dry, arid desert. Here is the great irony. If the parents had put the Lord before their children, the children would have been raised in a land flowing with milk and honey. But because the parents put their children before the Lord, the children spent the largest amount of their lives wandering in the desert. The parents put their children first, and it was devastating for their children. It was the worst decision for their children. By putting the children first, these parents did themselves and their children a disservice, a massive disservice. So here's some advice that I've got to you today on Father's Day to every parent here. It, it is this. Don't live for your spouse and family. And you say, did that just come out of his mouth? Has he lost his brains? No, I haven't. Don't put, don't live for your spouse and your family. Putting your children first is the worst thing you can do for your children. The best way to serve your family is to love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And the same is true for your marriage. When you look at marriage, who holds first place in your marriage? I want you to think about this because it's different than the culture in which we find ourselves. Wives, please don't desire to be the first in your husband's life. Oh, are you listening? Please, wives, don't desire, don't desire to be first in your husband's life. You need to desire that Christ will be first in your husband's life. You need to have Christ first in his life. If he loves Christ with all his heart, with all his soul, and with all his strength, he will love you as well, and he will love you when you're at your most unlovable. Oh, now, how many truthful wives are out there that would say, oh yeah, there are moments when I'm unlovable? One. <laughs> Uh, 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 okay, this is a place you've got to be honest. All right, be honest, wives. Are there moments where you say, I, I know I'm unlovable? But the fact is, when your husband puts Jesus first, when it is that Jesus is first in, in, in his life, he will then love you like you've never been loved, and he will love you in your most unlovable times. It is that you need to... Pray that 
your husband will put God first in his life. See, there's this truth that if it is that you, you now are, are, are in the place where it is that you are first in your husband's life, you've taken the place of God in his life. You have now become his God. And taking the place of God is a burden that's too big for you to carry. Oh, oh yeah, I, I thank God every day. You are God and I am not. But the fact is, when you now put yourself in the place of God, I want to tell you, you will not only fail, but you'll disappoint everyone else around you because you are not made to be God. There is the only God. He is God, and I am not. Husbands, by all means, buy cards that say, I love you, and give them to your wife. But don't buy cards that say, I live for you. Oh, no, oh, no, no, that's the worst thing you can do. If you live for your wife or you live for your husband, you make yourself an idolater. Because now you've put yourself and they've put you in the place of God. And that is a burden that's impossible to sustain into your married life. That is not love. That is destroying the very thing that God is seeking to build into your life. Only God can be God to you. Only he can be the first in your life. Your spouse doesn't have the capacity. Then let's talk about your children. How much do you love your children? Because the same principle holds true for children. The first commandment, the first commandment says this, you shall have no other gods before me, and that includes your children. He will not allow your children to be before him. It is, he says, you, you shall have no other gods before me. That's why Jesus said this. He said this in Matthew 10, 37. He said, listen, anyone who loves his son or his daughter more than me is not worthy of me. People read that and say, how could Jesus have said that? How could he have said such a thing? Well, what he was doing, he was simply applying the first commandment, that you shall have no other gods before me, and that includes your children. If you let your children have first place in your heart and the first place in your life and have first claim on your money, you have made them an idol. And if you make them an idol, what are you teaching them to do? You are teaching them to worship themselves. I was in Walmart, or was it Kohl's this week? I think it was Kohl's because I got a new pair of walking shoes, you know, because uh, I exercise every day, and I'd worn the shoes out. And as I'm there, along comes this lady with the two kids, you know, and, and, and all I was hearing was, but I want it. I want it. Mommy, I want it. I, I, you've got to get it for me. Get your money out and get it for me. Mommy, i got to... And I thought, wow, what a classic illustration for my sermon. <laughs> so please, don't live for your spouse or for your family. And then you can say like the Apostle Paul. He says, it's no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. 
For me to live is Christ. To die is gain. In other words, he says, the only one I'm going to live for is Christ. The only one that I'm going to serve is Christ. The only one that I am going to be committed to is Christ. Everything else falls in place when he is in first place, when he is leading our lives. We have to align ourselves and align our lives around one consuming passion. It is to love God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our strength. That is the purpose of our lives. So 40 years have gone now, and Moses is talking to the children of those who refuse to go into the promised land. And the little ones whose parents tried to protect them from the risk of full obedience to Christ, full obedience to God, They have now grown up and they are mature adults themselves and they have children themselves and and now their parents and they're the people whose parents had put them first and not gone into the land and now their parents and they have little ones. They're looking back and seeing how they had suffered in the desert because their parents wouldn't put God first. And now they're at the place where they have to choose. And listen, you must choose how you will live. Let me say that to everyone that's in this room, including myself. We must choose how we will live. So Moses brings this new generation to the verge of the promised land. Picture this in your mind. The little ones have now become parents and they've got children of their own. There are still giants in the land of promise. There are still giants in the land that is also flowing with milk and honey. There are still fortified cities. There are still huge city walls to be conquered. And now God is calling this next generation to enter the promised land. And this group of people, they know it's going to be costly. And Moses said to them, This is my instruction. This is my advice. This is what I'm laying on you, says Moses. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Your parents didn't do that. They had a faith, but they had no mission. They put you first. And look what happened. Look what it did to you. You wandered another 40 years in the wilderness. Now you are standing with your little children. You must choose how you will live. You are seeing how that half-hearted love for the Lord was toxic, toxic to children. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and with all your strength. And he says in verse 29, do it so that it will go well with you and with your children. Now listen to me, aligning is not prioritizing. Align your life around one consuming passion to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Aligning to one passion is not the same as prioritizing. You know, I've often had it said to me, you know, Pastor, it's, um, it's God first, family second, and ministry third. 
Often they'll put it, it's God first, family, then church. Ah, I've never found that helpful in my life. I find that that has brought confusion to my life. How can you separate loving God from serving God? How can you be in the place of loving the Lord and and, and it is seen by the fact that you obey His commands and you devote your life in serving Him? It is that Christ lays claim not to part of our lives, but to every part of our lives. It is not that we compartmentalize and, and, and say, well, yeah, you can be the Lord over my life when I'm in church. You can be the Lord over my life, you know, when I'm doing spiritual stuff, but not in my family and not in my work and not in any other area of my life. You can be Lord of my life in church, nowhere else. But he lays claims to my family as much as he lays claims to me And so the language of priority doesn't help us here. And here's another thing. Alignment is not balancing. When you align to the purpose of loving God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and strength, that you put God first. When you align yourself to loving God first, it's not balancing. You know, when the issue of loving God and loving your family is raised, people often say, well, you know, Pastor, we have to keep a balance. You should set aside time for ministry and you set time for your family and you uh, set time aside to love the Lord and, um, and you should love the Lord and love your family, but keep it in balance. You've got to have it in balance. When people say keep it in balance, it sounds good, but it's surprisingly unhelpful. If loving the Lord and loving your family or serving the Lord and serving your family have to be kept in balance, it's like two ends now of a, a scales, and it's, it's God on this side, and it's family on this side, and, and, and I've got to keep the balance, you know, and, 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 and if I give too much to God, then the family goes down. If I give, give too much to the family, God, and, and we're having to now separate family and God. I want to tell you that God won't live with you doing that. I don't want my family to be weighed against the Lord. I want my family to be weighed with the Lord. I want them coming together. I want them to go forward together. We're not trying to maintain a balance, but to achieve alignment to the purpose of God. He wants me to love Him first with all my heart, with all my soul, and with all my strength. He says, you have to do it. And the first thing he mentions is your heart. These commandments are to be on your heart in verse 6. Love the Lord with all your heart. It begins with you. It begins with your heart. It begins with your heart, mom. It begins with your heart, dad. It begins with your heart, kids. I want to tell you, it begins with your heart, grandkids. It begins with our hearts. It's learned over a lifetime at the foot of the cross. I want to tell you, I've learned this lesson after days and sometimes nights at the foot of the cross. Here's a good bit of advice. Let the cross explain the passion of your life. As you live with one consuming passion for the Lord, your life is going to provoke questions from other people. 
uh, questions that will need explaining. Moses saw this, and, and he said in verse 20, you see, it, it doesn't say, and Moses, uh, he doesn't say, if your son asks you. He says this, when your son asks you, what is the meaning of the stipulations, the decrees, the laws, uh, the Lord our God has commanded you? Listen, if you love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, then questions are going to be asked. Why do you insist that we're in church every Sunday, Dad? Why is it? Why is it you insist that we're in church every week? And why do you insist that we're taught God's word in Reaction Children's Church and, and in youth group on a Wednesday night? Why do you insist that we're there every week? Why? Why are we giving all this money to the church? Why are we doing it? It could be used for other things. Dad, other families don't live like this. Why are we living with this one consuming passion for the Lord? Look what Moses said. He said, tell them, we were slaves in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out with a mighty hand. Oh, I love it. Oh yeah, do you get that? He said, he said you, you have to say, son, if it wasn't for the Lord, if it wasn't for God, if it wasn't for the Lord, I would still be a slave in Egypt. If it wasn't for the Lord, he came and redeemed us. If it wasn't for the Lord, oh, he, he redeemed us from our past slavery. He set us free from the chains of bondage that we were in in Egypt. He has not only done that, but he made a promise that there was a promised land for us to go into one day. See, even in the Old Testament, God is calling parents to do more than teach your children the moral code. It's about loving the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. That is far deeper than morality. You can teach kids right and wrong and all the rest of the stuff. But I want to tell you, if you are exemplifying and also that you are teaching that God is the one that loved us, he's the one that rescued us. You ask why I'm going to church every Sunday, Johnny. You ask why I'm going to church every Sunday, Mary. You ask why it is that we go and we go to junior church and we go to Wednesday night stuff and all that other stuff. You ask why we're doing that. You ask why we give our money to the church, why it is that we tithe and we bring our offerings to the church. You ask why we do that. You ask why we've got such contentment in the house. It's because God rescued us from sin. He came to the gutter that we were in. He came to the brokenness that we were in. I was a drinker. I was an alcoholic. I was on drugs. My marriage was messed up and on and on we could go, all of us with our stories. But the fact is, he has redeemed us, and he is the only one that deserves the first place in our hearts and life. They ask the question, says Moses, tell them what the Lord has done for you. Tell them about the day you were rescued from sin. Tell them about the day the chains of Satan fell off you. Tell them about the day you surrendered your life to him. And you began to love him with all your heart, 
with all your soul and with all your strength. Listen, friends, live for your family and you will lead your family into the desert. Live for the Lord and you'll lead your family into the promised land. Oh, oh yeah, did I not tell you? Hey, hey, hey didn't I tell you that, that when Jesus saved me, he came and told me something. He says, now I'm living on your inside of your life. You will live forever because I'm taking you one day to the promised land. I'm taking you to heaven and you will be with me forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. It is not only about this life, kids. It's about the next life. And we're going to be with Jesus forever. You know, growing up, the youngest memory that I have of my dad I sat one day and I thought what was the first time I remember my dad and I was about four or five and, and um, I remember my dad putting me in a stroller and then he pushed me about three or three and a half to four miles to a little hamlet a little village of about 30 houses and that afternoon as we got to this hamlet he began knocking at people's doors and saying to them hi my name is George King and I'm the pastor of a little church in the town next to yours and I want to give you this gospel track and I wonder if I could talk to you about Jesus and I remember sitting there in this stroller and, and watching as this door slammed in his face. And then the next door slammed in his face. And, and I remember looking and seeing tears coming down his cheeks as people rejected his attempt to tell them about his Savior. And he went on and on until we got to one house and this dear lady came to the door and he told her the same spiel and, and she said I've been waiting for someone to tell me about Jesus and I remember him right there on the doorstep praying with her that her past would be forgiven and that her life would be surrendered to God and from the age of five on I remember seeing that woman in our church it all started on that day with my dad putting God first, getting rejected, door slammed in his face, but one or two listening and getting the gospel. See, I had the privilege of growing up in a home where both my dad and my mom put God first. Oh, we, we had no doubt about it. There was no doubt about who was first in our house. It wasn't dad and it wasn't mom, it was God. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, we saw it in every way. There was no doubt as to whether my dad and my mom loved each other. Oh no, that came out of their love for God and because they loved God with all their heart, with all their soul and strength, I just grew up watching two people loving God and loving each other even through the worst parts of their lives. I, I, I remember that I had no doubts as to whether I was going to be in church on Sunday. In fact, Sunday was special, so special, they, they, every, 
every Saturday night we had to get our shoes because you always dressed up for church and, and we would have to clean our shoes on a Saturday night because we don't work on Sunday because that's the Lord's day and, and, then, and then we'd go off to church 10 o'clock in the morning and then we'd go back at 2.30 in the afternoon for children's church Sunday school and then we'd go back at six o'clock at night for the evening gospel service. And then that wasn't it either. We'd get back home and crowds of people would come into our house to just sit and talk about what the Lord had done that day while we'd been together in fellowship at church. Oh no, oh no, I had no doubt who was first in our house. You know, my dad's idea of spending time with me he worked in the mines during the week, but on weekends, he would go out and he would help churches get started. And it would mean remodeling buildings. I spent my childhood into teenage years remodeling buildings that became churches and are churches to today. My dad, even though having a um, full-time job in the deepest parts of the coal mines of Wales, pioneered 17 churches in our area. And I had to go with him. That's how I had time with him. And I want to tell you, it was not a drudge. It was something great because I knew that I was following a man who was putting God first. And now I wanted to be like him. And that's why at 18 years of age, as I sat on a train, now I'm leaving home to go and start serving Jesus. The last face I see in my hometown as I looked out of the train window was my dad's face as he waved goodbye and tears were coming down his face but he was so happy, the smile was so big because now he knew I was going to go and live for God and put God first just like he did because he exemplified it, he'd shown me it Oh, I failed. I've let. I've, I've. 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 There are times where I say, oh, "God, I'm sorry." And if you see my dad, tell him I'm sorry too. I let you down. But back up, we get and we keep going on. I want you to put God first. I want. I want you to forget trying to be the first in your husband's life or the first in your, your, your wife's life. I want you to say, no, I am going to put God first. I want to put God first in my life. Everything else will fall into place when God is first in my life. I've asked the team to sing a song. You may or may not know it. I think the words will come on the screen. But let's stand right now. And, and as we sing this song, if you, if you are here today and you say, I want my kids to know, I want my wife to know, I want my husband to know, I want my grandkids to know that I am putting God first, that it is that I'm not going to live for them, I'm going to live for God. I am going to live for God and then God will take care of the rest. And you say, I want them to see that this morning, whether you're a man or a woman or, or one of the children or grandchildren. If it is that you're saying from this day, I'm putting God first. And if you need to reaffirm it, if you need to say, God, if anyone's had any doubts, 
I'm going to reaffirm my desire that you will be first in my life. As they sing this song, if you come and stand at the altar here, we're going to pray for you and then we'll be out of here. Just listen to this song. Sing along with it if you know it. But if you're saying, God first, then please come and stand at the altar. Before I bring my knee, I will bring my heart. Before I bring my case, I will lift my arms. Oh, I want to know you, I want to find you in every season, in every moment. Before I bring my knee, I will bring my heart and see.
going to pray for you who have come to the front and others here. That you know deep in your heart what you've heard this morning, you need to apply it to your life as I need to apply it to my life. We'll say, God, you're going to be first. I surrender every minute, every second of the rest of my life to you. I want you to be first. I know if you are first, my family will be blessed. If you're first, we're going into the future with blessing following us. In the hard days and the, the days that seem difficult, we're going to put you first and believe that you're going to bring us through. We're going to put you first. Father, as we come to you right now, we join our hearts with these who are at this altar. That are saying from today, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That are saying they want to love you with all their hearts, with all their soul, and with all their strength. Will you seal this word in their heart? Will you write it on the tablets of their heart, I pray? That they will always live for you and for the glory of your great name. That they will put you first in their lives. They will seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and everything else will be added to them. Father, hear my cry. I ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, as you leave this morning, first of all, I want to apologize. I won't be on the door as you leave this morning. I'm going to dedicate a little baby to the Lord here in just a few minutes. But um, know that we're praying that God will bless you as you have this Father's Day together. And then don't forget, dads, your root beer and your hot dog is waiting in the connecting point. Get your ticket out, take it to the connecting point, and you can receive that um, gift there. God bless you, everyone. Have a great day.